0: Uh, welcome to Guy Acheson's Reinventing the Tattoo Community. This is going to be a, a great show. This other regular show. So, so okay, so you might be watching this uh, on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever. The Reinventing the Tattoo Community is the best place. Otherwise, head over to the Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel. It's brand new and it's fresh, and we seriously have like less than 100 people on there so far. So, please uh, like it, uh, give it a follow. Uh, share it around because it's uh, like I said, it's, it's brand new, it's fresh. So, uh, but it always will have the latest content that we're putting out there free uh, care of our sponsors. It's pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, anyways, um, let us know in the chat room how this is working for you, where you are beaming in from. And I'm going to uh, start uh, hopping kind of in the background here.
1: Chris Martin was born and raised in Greensboro, North Carolina and now works at Tres Liche's studio in Oakland, California. Chris started in the fine art scene, which led him to the San Francisco Bay Area, then later allowing him an apprenticeship in tattooing. Chris has an amazing in-depth style in tattooing he calls African American traditional. Chris builds the story, connects the ideology, symbolism, and superstitions of American traditional tattoo art and the African diaspora, giving American traditional new narratives and culture. We had a little technical difficulties in the first few minutes, so I'm going to tell you where we're starting off in our conversation. We asked how each other's weeks were, and I was excited that we both lived in Greensboro for a time. And I was tattooing on the weekends in the dorms of the school he was attending, due to some people I had met. It was even at the same time he was attending. Small world, here it is, live with Chris Martin
0: yeah
1: where kids I met I used to tattoo there on the weekends and stuff so it's very interesting overlay um but I don't know I was super excited about that um mm. can you tell us about growing up in Greensboro and um yeah and then going to A&T and everything
2: oh cool yeah um the scene out in Greensboro it's um I'm sure I'm preaching to preach into the choir choir with you but it's just, uh, it's like a, a slower pace. It's, uh, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I'll continue with the, the first question. But, um, but yeah, Greensboro is just like a very like slow pace. Uh, it's still a city, but it feels like a town. And it kind of operates in the same way. And um, yeah, growing up uh, from like um, high school, mostly, um, my friend group being primarily white-based uh, individuals. And then from there, um, going on to a it was kind of like a little bit of a, a culture shock and um, like that transition between going from like a primarily um, white high school to uh, HBCU, which is a historically black college university and um I think we lost Haley but
3: I'm interested we can okay. continue until she gets back I think something happened with her audio
2: okay and um but yeah making that transition from one population of individuals to like a an HBCU and then having that like reflection of self and um essentially like campuses or. Um, like a small town as well, like with the community that they have and um, everybody's shared interest in knowledge and higher education. So um, by having that, but also within the element of just other people just looking similar to yourself is like extremely uh, powerful and something that you take for granted um, until you've been deprived of it. So um, like, making that transition into this environment and into like this uh, like culture of my own, you know, and like feeling more empowered to be myself, feeling more empowered to, to, to live life in my own skin and um, to, to learn knowledge as well, specific to um, African-American culture and lifestyle um, within this college environment was, um, very needed you know it was was like it wasn't given to me um within high school you know but it was like it was uh uh one of those basic courses that you had to take when going to a historically black college university you know knowing the true history of america you know and it's maybe not be as like palatable um for most people but it's the truth and it's the honest truth and um to like go through life and to like be given that truth is like uh It's unexplainable, honestly, but, um, but yeah, that's just, like, a brief little, like, from high school, Greensboro, and then, like, A&T, so, yeah. That's amazing,
1: and uh, can you guys hear me okay?
2: Yeah, a little on the lower side, but it's all good. Okay.
1: I had a little bit of difficulty, um, but I just missed the high school part, which I heard in the pre-interview so I'm back. I just had the uh, interview playing, like, at the same time. I didn't know what was happening. Um, no worries. <laughs> yeah, so I had to leave and come back. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, um, all good. So, your time in a t were you always interested in artwork? Is that what you went to school there for?
2: Um, honestly, no. I didn't start off uh, enrolling into college, like, like pursuing art but i mean i'd always been making art um leading up to going to college and um it was like uh, my first i remember it being like my first achievement within the arts being like uh like one of those dare um like you know the dare program you go through yeah. it and then at the end of it you know you, you they give you i think like a diploma like a booklet and um, I think we had a competition to see who could draw up the best illustration for the cover. And um, I like done this uh, this dare lion with uh, like his claws poking out of the, like some, some Air Force ones. Sick. Was, yeah, it was awesome. And then, uh, so I won that competition. And it was like, it kind of like planted like a little seed that um, perhaps you can do something with this and take it a little bit further, but. And then um, my mom being so, like, uh, advanced within, like, crafting and um, uh, my dad also being, like, having, like, a strong art ability as well. It just kind of, like, cultivated me to, like, feel comfortable with it Um, since, like, an early age. Like, my earliest memory of, like, making art is my mom just, like, holding my hand and, like, walking me across the street to just, like, some random building to just paint. And then um, so I've always had, like, confidence uh, within art. But it was, um, like, going to A&T, like, I saw, like, leaving high school, I started, like, a small business with my mom, because um, I was wearing her beanies all the time, and all the homies were like, yo, like, can I get, like, a custom, like, red, black beanie, like, uh, like this and that. And then, like, after a while, it's like, after, like, the fifth request, I was like, maybe I should, like, turn this into a brand, something that's, like, uh, has an image, uh, a logo that people can identify with and um so like leaving high school with that uh business already made I thought it would be best to go into um into college and and become like some sort of like business major take marketing or something like that Mm -hmm. um I always looked up to my sister my older sister so like she went through like business school as well so I just figured like oh okay maybe that's like what I should follow as well you know it's like the closest example of like like um, excellence and me looking up to her but um, but yeah it was it like, seems after- like a good idea to build a foundation for
1: your business like
2: yeah kidding. like seems yeah, like for sure mm-hmm. and um, so like yeah I enrolled in for like um, business marketing and after failing accounting twice well I failed it once got a d on the second
1: time accounting sucks (laughs) it doesn't even make sense that language is like uh uh, i don't know it's horrible
2: it's horrible it drives uh, me crazy it doesn't
1: it doesn't make sense at all i hate accounting class it's the worst
2: yeah for sure so after like taking those two classes i was like you know maybe i should switch it up since it is since this is kind of like the foundation of business you know but it's not like all that business is made of but um Eventually, I was like, I came to the conclusion that perhaps I should like leverage or util- utilize my like artistic ability to to grow the brand rather than focusing so much on like the technical back end of it. Yeah. And um, so it was like after that, I, had, um, I took like a little tour of like the art department. And um, at the time, it was just like maybe like 30, 40 of us at the most enrolled. And um, like I remember seeing my professor and talking to him for the first day and like on his like computer screen he was like listening to the clips we got for cheap volume two and just like resonating off of music and culture just in general before even like talking about art you know and then um yeah from there on like i just like like kept going down that rabbit hole and um i feel like one of the the biggest things that i took away from that is um uh concept concept is like the like the driving force of the artist, And it's like, it, it allows more longevity as well because um, as times change and evolve, there's always gonna be some new program. There's always gonna be some younger kid who's gonna be crushing it, you know. But um, to have like a concrete uh, foundation of what it is your message is, you can, you can then work alongside those individuals and maybe even direct them to like, bring your vision to life, you know, so um con yeah like if that you have the like,
1: concept it'll follow right
2: for sure for sure yeah. that's the foundation yeah,
1: yeah I definitely see that in your work and I don't I don't think a lot of artists think like that either um mm. it's definitely like a strong idea and it's like made your artwork very strong right
2: oh for sure yeah I mean um even things like not not so much just like the images but also um taking things a step further and doing the research and um, um, what materials work best for like what message I'm trying to display. And um, yeah, just like exploring all options, but limiting them as well and figuring out what's the best for the artwork at the end of the day, you know.
1: Um, so what led you from North Carolina to San Francisco?
2: um so yeah honestly I just like graduated um North Carolina a and and then um
1: did you do that few... for um art like did you end up switching majors
2: yeah so I did the the business uh major for like about two years and then I switched to the art department for another two years mm-hmm. and um yeah after graduating that I had um got like proposed like by a couple of my friends like hey we're moving to san francisco and the rent's a little too high for just the both of us you want to like tag along and help out and i'm like sure ain't shit else going on out here so
1: finally high rent did something good yeah Yeah,
2: exactly (laughs) (laughs) and um so yeah we just all packed our bags i like delivered some pizzas out in climax north carolina for like six months got my money up and yeah after that quit my job and never looked back well, i look back a few times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> go back to visit sometimes. Yeah, yeah No, exactly. Not like look back. <laughs> I wonder what I'm doing with my life. For sure, um, yeah. Um, so around, is it like whenever you first moved um, to San Francisco, uh, you guys started with the Black Male Art Show?
2: Mm, yeah, so the Black Male Art Show, that was the first fine art show that I displayed in um outside of my university and um it came about from just like me linking up with one of my hometown um classmates uh Arrington West um he also goes by Ace and um yeah like he had moved to San Francisco maybe like four years before me and um like after I moved out here, I linked up with him, and he was doing all these like different things that were already like so very much involved in like the culture of the art scene in San Francisco and oakland, and um he would host like um sketch nights uh I think like maybe like once or twice a week or I mean a month, and um yeah, we, it would just be like a bunch of artists coming through sketching, drinking, smoking, chilling, and then there's like people doing jam sessions downstairs. And um, yeah, and like Ace just came to this conclusion where I was like, um, I see like people like myself, um, black artists, particularly uh, males that are like crushing it, you know, and like, but why are they just like putting work in their sketchbooks? Like he, he was like, I wanna figure out some sort of way to get us into like these gallery walls and um he was working at a place in the hate and just happened to be like walking past one of the owners of the luggage store gallery and um just chopped it up with him and was like hey i got this this idea it's called um it's called blackmail uh m-a-i-l and um displaying four black males and like when i heard that pitch i was like oh i love puns so this (laughs) this, this sounds awesome and then um So yeah, we got the, he was like, he gave us the green light to, to display there. And, um, the, uh, the appreciation for the show was great. And I mean, at the time I was, um, after leaving North Carolina to come to San Francisco, I was still on my own like personal journey of like figuring out, like, like I don't even, I I didn't have a style then. I was mostly honestly doing photography, like leaving school and, um, was really trying to find some sort of work within like photojournalism, which is like slowly dying. But, um, but yeah, I made the move out here, and then Ace proposed this show, and I'm just like, oh shoot, like, what am I even about right now, you know? And, um, like having that separation from the south and from back home, it's just like I was like mentally going down like this rabbit hole of like, like, what do I feel passionate about and Um, uh, it was like one day I was just like taking a break from work and like just trying to feel inspired some type of way and um, ended up coming across B.B. King's documentary and just like like super inspired by the story of like being raised within the South in slavery coming up out of that using this guitar as this tool of freedom and it coming from like this birth of the blues, which ultimately came from slavery, you know? So it was almost like this uh, is like the same tool that suppressed B.B. King, he used as a tool to, to uplift himself out of slavery. And um, it was just like, it was the most beautiful thing ever. And um, I just like, remember going to my sketchbook and just like going in on like different designs, like super inspired and then The next day, just waking up with a bunch of designs that spoke of the South, spoke of cotton in particular, and um, eventually, like connecting these dots and being like, oh, well, maybe I should take these designs and take it a step further and put them onto like this medium of cotton and also reclaim this material and use it as a way of like freedom and liberation, you know, as B.B. King did. And So, yeah, I just, like, uh, I remember uh, I had grabbed, like, a couple of, like, um, they were, like, tablecloth sheets from my parents' house, like, before I left uh, to go out west. And honestly, I just thought I was going to, like, cut them up and turn them into T-shirts or just do, like, random things with them. But um, it was, like, they were so big and they were so, like, I was, like, it was, like, the perfect, like, canvas for me to work with you know and it's like a a way for me to get my message uh louder bolder and like more in people's faces and and like before leaving home like my mom gave me a quick little tutorial on how to like uh do like certain stitches and stuff like that so i have my sewing machine with me and it just like felt natural to just take the designs that i had from that sketchbook and just basically bring them to life on a larger scale on these banners. And yeah, after the first display with blackmail, it's just like the feedback was like pretty awesome. So- Did um, you sew
1: all the tablecloths together or did you like stitch in, um, do I have an image of that? No, I don't think I have an image of that. I have an image of the the gallery, but uh, you just, you stitched the tablecloths together and then painted
2: the images like a quilt uh so the technical process which I like later found out because I didn't even know what the process was called because I was just basically freestyling this I was just like I was gonna I'm just gonna take a white square of fabric and take a black piece of fabric and I used spray glue and I just cut out the image and like slapped it to the other sheet and The process technically is called appliqué, which is just like layering of fabrics.
1: Is that what you did on the um, that banner with the swordfish lady?
2: Yeah, so that's that's all fabric. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, I didn't know that's how you did that. That's incredible. Can you see it?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't see it myself.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Oh, I see it now, yeah. Okay, good. (laughs)
2: Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the technical process is called applique, but it's just basically like, uh, this is just like a white sheet of fabric that's stenciled and cut out. And then I just glued it to the black backdrop. And um, after that, I take the sewing machine and I do like a zigzag stitch. And the zigzag stitch is essentially uh, creating the lines like in the details of the face and, and everything else. Yeah.
1: I thought you Uh, painted that. That's Oh no.
2: Yeah. That's all, that's all, uh, with the sewing machine. And, um, it's also very similar, um, uh, in a way to tattooing. It's like, uh, um, like the motion of the, the needle going up and down and, um, being able to, um, match your hand speed with how how fast you're moving the fabric across the needle, Um, similar to how you would like match that same speed of like perhaps a voltage to whatever needle grouping you're using.
1: So with the sewing Uh, machine, you have that pedal, you can go faster or slower, right, too?
2: Yeah, that's a different
1: kind of control, but Mm -hmm. definitely feels the same. Very similar.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Let's see. Let me... So this art show goes on today still, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. So this is is a piece from my most recent solo show that's uh, currently on display in San Francisco, um, Hashimoto Contemporary. And um, the body of work is called Homeward Bound, which is basically a series of images based around um, similar to the introduction you had displayed of um, making the connections between the African diaspora Mm -hmm. and also um, uh, American traditional tattoos and just like diving a little bit further into what would seem like somewhat of just like uh, random imagery and um, creating somewhat of a more um, direct dialogue.
1: Wow, that piece is huge, too. Like, you can't tell, you can see it in this image in reference to these other ones. That's incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest piece that I've pulled off so far. It's um, one of my favorites, honestly. As yeah, of late. that's
1: amazing. Um, so how did you, am I still sharing? I am not. Okay, good. Um, how did you, um? get into American traditional um in the first place to evolve it and change it
2: mm-hmm. um yeah so let's see <clears throat> yeah like growing up in Greensboro it's like I had like a a small group of friends that uh had tattoos and uh a lot of the tattoos they had I didn't really like and I don't, I, I didn't know how to like search and find other references of things that I would probably enjoy and there was only maybe like two shops that um most people went to and um so I never really and and then also like most of the tattoos were like long sleeves like they were like very big cohesive pieces and um not really having any other like references other than that Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: um my parents also just being like um not so much into tattoos it kind of like discouraged me most of my life to even start collecting them um, just to like be respectful of them and um, uh, my dad he actually um, he does a lot of different odd jobs here and there Um, but he was doing this one trip where he's like basically expediting and um, you just travel all over the U.S. and you get like called to like drop off certain packages in certain places and um i remember it was like one day he just came back and like he like lifts up his arm and he's got like this like american traditional eagle on his shoulder oh. and i was like wait what what is what is who who are you and what is this tattoo on your shoulder <laughs> and uh he was like yeah i got it uh, to commemorate my my time in the, the army you know the air force <clears throat> I'm like oh yeah that's badass And like just secretly in the back of my mind like you don't know what you just opened up you just opened up some worms to cameras right now and so um that was literally like my
1: permission (laughs) permission (laughs) to run with
2: this (laughs) for sure and like literally that was like the first time I'd ever seen an American traditional tattoo up close um and to see like that tattoo on a on, on brown skin like like that's like profound you know so um and then like I was like oh like doing like me doing my thing like I'm researching like going down the rabbit hole and whatnot I'm like yo this is like this is amazing it's like I don't have to like get a full sleeve at once and just get all these tiny little tattoos and like kind of look the same and they kind of just build up to the same narrative you know Mm -hmm. and um so like yeah it was like before I'd even actually um Left North Carolina, <clears throat> I got um, a traditional tattoo of um, like this champagne bottle broken that says "Bamboyage," bon and um, and then just like trying to to reinforce in my mind that this um, this trip to San Francisco is going to be um, how it should be, you know, and, and like everything that I would hope for it to be, and eventually making that trip over here is like. I was completely immersed in like taken back on the culture of tattooing in the Bay Area. I was like, wow, this is like, yeah, this is, it's a culture thing of like, like you, you have conversations of like who you got tattooed by, what shop. And it was just like, it was, it was just so cultivated and um, so advanced. And so I just got lost in the scene and just like collecting as many tattoos as I could. And um, eventually just like through collecting tattoos and just mopping around doing my art scene stuff, I, um, I eventually came uh, or I eventually was just like having like a day, day off to, to visit my homie who worked at 1AM um, Gallery. And um, if anybody knows about that spot, it's like they have like this section where they sell just, like, basically just, like, spray cans of, like, different colors and, like, other things like that, mm-hmm. and um, so, like, at the time, I was, like, making these t-shirts, and they had, like, this 360 pocket that wrapped around the bottom of it, and I just made them for, like, because I thought it'd be, like, a cool way for, like, a biking, biking commuter to, like, have something to put, like, in their shirt, but um, eventually, like, talking to all the homies that would, like, get up and write, they were, like, Yo, this is like the perfect size to like, like holster my my spray cans. So, uh, so like I was just talking to them, trying to pitch one of my shirts into their shop, and um, uh my mentor at the, at the time he had walked in, and we just chatted up, and um, I just knew that he did murals. I didn't know that there was like any um, history of tattooing there, right. and um, I think like later on down the line, I was like starting to be more uh, conscious and aware of where my money went, you know, for my tattoos. And I'm like, yo, I wanna like invest in like some black artists, you know, like, and um, put some money in their pockets. And um, eventually like through Instagram, I found out that like, oh shoot, like they just opened up a shop and um, just started collecting tattoos and asking questions. And then one thing led to another and then uh, eventually got my apprenticeship
1: yeah, I'm and, sure once he saw your artwork, is like, oh, man, get in here. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Fine artists don't make any money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, yeah, it was like, yeah, the fine art scene was, like, the, I guess, like, initial respect that got me, like, through the door, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're at that shop for a while, and you got to work with, like, another, like, Black man artist, right? And that mm-hmm. and that was incredible. But then later on, whenever you worked at other shops, did you have, like, the same feeling other people are talking about where it, like, feels like the doors are, like, closed a lot and, like, they're trying to, like, restrict your access and everything?
2: Yeah, it's... um yeah, I mean, yeah, that was like after leaving that shop and um, transitioning to another space out in the mission, mm-hmm. um, it was um, like my starting point was like basically like a little bit before the pandemic had started. Yeah. So that's just like to give a little bit of a timestamp of like the energy at the time. Everybody's on edge. Um I'm not getting anything from the government at this time. So I'm just like trying to pull it together and just like paint as much flash as possible, utilize the time and, um, just take on as many tattoos still as I could, you know, and just like work underground at the shop. And, um, it's like during that time, it's like, you have conversations of course, and you, you chat and you learn about people as you work with them, you know? Yeah. And, um, Just, like, certain topics and conversations of, like, uh, perhaps, like, police brutality and um, um, racial inequality and uh, some of the things that I would like to be a foundation of um, seeing eye to eye with somebody that I work with and having that tension and that uh uh-oh moment, you know, like, when certain, like, beliefs don't line up um i believe that people are entitled to their opinion but there's like a few things that i will not budge on and number one is black lives matter you know and if we can't come to an agreement on that then you're just gonna waste my time and you're just gonna make me angry so um so yeah it was like a few conversations like that had been like um floating around and um uh, my friend at the time, Aurora. Have been working to build up a space that was very safe and inclusive mm-hmm. and um, caught wind of it. It was um, invited, it was like almost like the stars had like aligned in a way that like where I'm like swinging from one branch to the next and um, yeah, me just, like, ma- basically making my piece with the, the shop that, I'm cur- that I was currently at <clears throat> and saying, like, hi, like, or hey, like, this is, like, how I feel. Like, you had mentioned before, like, if there's ever, like, a moment where there's, like, any, like, uncomfortable feelings about working at this, in a space, um, just, like, communicate them, you know? And um, I communicated that and um, was basically told that I was being, racist to a white male because no i wanted to i wanted to find my truth and um create and live and work with uh, a tribe of like-minded people and um yeah i was taken back on that you know (laughs) i never heard like that i was being racist towards uh cis white male like
1: it doesn't even exist uh, i don't think that's dynamics and
2: yeah exactly and that's uh
1: no no um you know what (laughs) just you're just proving my point you know true
2: true yeah exactly so it's like you just like it was just like it was just like honestly the the confirmation that i eventually needed and Mm -hmm. like i came by the shop and i'm packing up my flash and um
1: just like before that it's like um like oh like I get like little things like I'm pretty sure like this feels weird but then whenever he blatantly like brings up like oh no you're being racist to me now because you don't feel you know
2: like yeah like it is I don't know like the the ladder doesn't work like that and um yeah. like I try to be like brutally honest with where I sit in this like this scale of this ladder you know even as a a black male you know i i have privilege as well you know and um there's also elements of um uh of um like the the scales of hues of blackness as well which comes with discrimination and so like the the narrative and storyline is is very deep but um i think there's a, a strong conclusion that um white cis males sit somewhere near the top of this uh this triangle you know and to be yeah and to be oblivious of that is very very dangerous you know like you need to seriously like look yourself in the mirror and check yourself because I can't walk out of the house not like acting accordingly with the skin that I'm in you know like if I wall out like the way that you're walling out like I would get shot you know So, and I check myself on that, like, and I'm very like brutal and honest with that reality. And it sucks, like nobody wants to like, like say like, oh, like maybe I'm less than, but if, if there's a constant reoccurring, like action of violence happening towards a certain type of person from a certain type of community, there needs to be some sort of like check in the mirror. Like right now there's so much violence happening against elderly Asians and there needs to be some sort of protection set up for that there's like some yeah so just just knowing like where you sit within reality and the history of America and to not be aware of that is like dangerous yeah it is well dangerous dangerous for some but some like uh for for people like me but maybe yeah uh, it's dangerous for for others
1: it's (laughs) not yeah, it's uh, that's the privilege, right? It doesn't it doesn't affect them to be oblivious, but to be oblivious <laughs> yeah. is hurting a mass amount of people.
2: For sure, yeah. So, um, so what so, yeah. was it?
1: Um, whenever you were talking to Aurora, because Trey's leeches, um, yeah, they've uh, they've done some wonderful things. But uh, what was your experience with that? You're like, yeah.
2: yeah like me me and aurora had uh had hit it off like just through like um instagram just like um like the camaraderie between uplifting black and brown people um trans like queer just just like all inclusive and um so like we had already vibed off of that in the past and um how'd
1: you guys meet was it um through like the art scene as well or through tattooing
2: Uh, we were both doing, like, um, we were, like, both having, like, communications about, like, the apprenticeship scene and everything, like, Mm -hmm. and, um, both having gone, like, our, like, different routes and, like, similarities and differences. And so, yeah, we had vibed off of that scene, uh, initially, and then it kind of had, like, burrowed further into, like, um, um, activism within the tattoo community and what that looks like um like activating that and um so like the space was made it's it's really it's still relatively new but um just uh just having like a space like Tres is is um is uh and I, I often say that just people of color living their best lives is a form of activism especially like um, um in greensboro in particular it's like um very strong for the sit-in movement. Um, um, black people just wanting a cup of coffee at a diner. Um, people just wanting to live like an equal life like anybody else that they see. And um, so for for people to just live their best lives, like that's also like just like the most purest form of activism. And to show that other people can be in like a position of power is like, um, something that can't be taken for granted you know mm-hmm. and um so like just like trism is just being like a safe space for people to, to just talk their truth or to shoot the shit or to just like just work and just not have like comments that just ruin their day
1: (laughs) or like having or those conversations that come up where you have to like explain everything and like hope that they understand when you say it it's like that cringe
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like it's like the little things like just conversation that can like uh, provide healing you know and it's something I didn't know that I needed until I left the the last shop that I was at. Mm-hmm.
1: It sounds like a really nice space to be in mm-hmm. um, what do you What do you see for like your foreseeable future like you're still working on your fine art a lot and still tattooing a lot is there Is there one that you like more than the other between fine art and tattooing
2: mm. That's a good question. I mean, they both offer so like similar things but also very different things as well um i feel like the communities are somewhat um different in the element of like with fine art there's an element of um being like secluded like uh being in the studio is like some a place that's seen as like sacred it's like you have your chants your mantras your incense and all these other things that lead to this body of work that you create and um so it's like a very internal um way of processing artwork and it's also somewhat like uh you can experiment a little bit more with the process of fine art. You can fuck around, but you can't fuck around with people's skin, you know. And yeah. um so like having like having like that community with tattooing and having that direct feedback and it's just like it's 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 the best thing ever and um I mean from both of my like fine art homies and like the tattoo community like um like the best thing is like the feedback of like the artwork itself as well and just being like how to draw and like how to like become more confident within my drawings has come from um, tattooing. Um, But like, I feel like the lines are so blurred at this point because um, a lot of people who um, initially in my like career had asked for tattoos that were banners. And sometimes I'm putting on tattoos that I didn't want to turn into a banner later on or an illustration. So it's like, I feel thankful that both of those images and narratives uh, still cross and um, find the same- one
1: inspires the other too, like, and it can go back and forth.
2: Literally, like one hand washing the other. And um, just um, through that, finding some sort of like uh, personal connections within um, American traditional tattooing in general and um, uh, bridging that into the fine art scene, which is which I'm like very passionate with being like for the African diaspora and ultimately creating like this new narrative that you had mentioned earlier being um, African-American traditional tattooing and, um, basically just American traditional tattoos but with black representation, but also going like just a a tad bit further into the research and um, not second guessing the imagery that um, is seen within uh, American traditional tattoos that have been collected by sailors. So uh, essentially you could look at a sailor and tell their, their story. Um, through the tattoos that they collected, you know, and mm-hmm. and just something as simple as like a Popeye's anchor, you know, like that means that you've crossed the Atlantic, you know, um, certain other things, like uh, if someone had a Jesus tattoo on their back, it meant that they wanted to have uh, a less harsh uh, lashings from their superior if they were to act up, you know, and just imagining, like, what if, like, uh, somebody working in the fields from, from can to can't, and just like, like, still getting those lashes for like the most minor of things, and like having Jesus as perhaps as this form of protection. Um, and then also, I could like dive even further down the rabbit hole of like um, the conversation of religion uh, within slavery as well, and how it has been used as a form of suppression. Mm -hmm. and um, it's just so many rabbit holes and a lot of it comes through just like not taking things for granted and just like diving just a little bit further past the surface and things that we take for granted yeah
1: those are incredible um, parallels the way you're able to do the research and pull this together Uh, whenever I first saw your work I hadn't seen anything Mm -hmm. like it and I was like Oh my god! I gotta talk to this guy. You know? <laughs> like, I feel like most, um, like most artists, most tattoo artists, aren't looking for like this whole backstory, and they're tattooing. Mm. They're not like building something new.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I don't know. It's just really inspiring to see. It's wonderful.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, no, it's, it. it's also just been like very interesting, just because, um, like, yeah, like the. The images I'm making are um, like, I'm tattooing essentially um, inspired images from American traditional, but also linked to the African diaspora. And um, sometimes people aren't ready to like carry that type of image on their body, you know, and um, like explaining like what these images are, what they're referenced from, uh, my intention with, uh, the new ideology that I'm like inserting into it. Um, like if it's asked, I give it, you know, and, um, uh, sometimes like I've said, like, Hey, like, yeah, that design's pretty gnarly. I mean, it's about this and that. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to pass on that. one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just like, uh, it's just interesting. I'm just trying to like, just like find a way to merge these, uh, like just my truth and like my what I'm interested in and um, unfortunately what I'm interested in is like very like um, a very horrific uh, occurrence within American history but it's also the truth of America you know Mm -hmm. so um, to get mad at the work is to just be mad at American history essentially.
1: Yeah Um, yeah how do you feel about collectors coming and getting your work?
2: uh I feel I feel pretty good about it I mean um sometimes I'll um I'll have ideas or um or like some some of my designs are um are palatable like um I guess in comparison to others and um and I've also been taking it easy on myself with like the pressure of feeling like I have to make work about slavery all the time you know and um like I mentioned earlier, just being um a black person just living their best life as like the the strongest form of activism. Um, me just having my presence within tattooing is already like powerful enough, you know. Absolutely. I don't I don't necessarily have to like add anything to that. Right. So also like tattooing has given me like this therapeutic approach of like letting go and it's okay to just Make images that are a little fun that maybe don't even mean anything, you know, and just like finding that balance and like having like somewhat of an outlet to like like tune out of the of the narrative of of slavery because it's it's depressing after a while to be honest, you know.
1: Yeah, it's but it's also like really neat to be able to like share this story and people can come to you. Um, and give you money for appreciating this artwork and the story that you're trying to tell. I think that part is really beautiful, um, as definitely as depressing and everything as slavery is. But also, those images before were like kind of heavy, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, feels, feels. I don't know, like picking and choosing kind of like, oh, like you wanted Jesus on your back before, but now that it has this new narrative, I mean it's like a similar narrative, right? They have parallels. Mm-hmm. Like why is it too heavy for you now? Like why can't you appreciate this now? You know? I don't know.
2: exactly. Yeah. And um like I, I meditate on that a lot, you know, it's just um like the artwork changes with like our personal perspective as we navigate through life. And so like um, I've been playing around with like different wordplay for my artwork recently and um, just basically like writing out certain like phrases and quotes and like changing them just a little bit as they come into my mind and as they like fit into like this larger narrative that I'm building up. But, the power of that statement changes with each person, you know, like with their life experiences, like it, that leads them to seeing that. It's like essentially reading a book, like as you were like a teenager and then rereading it again in your like later adult years, you know, it's like the the story is completely the same word for word, but the, the path that you took throughout your life might give you a different perspective later on, you know? So the artwork and the images are really just like, they morph and change with the perspective of each viewer like coming into that like space and like, and that's why I really enjoy like about just like, also just like the the element of the community within um, fine art is like, you can curate these spaces and like these images and these themes into like these white walls and, um, and have like somewhat of a, a narrative that speaks to like a, a certain uh, topic or discussion. And then having like the, the other side of like, um, like for the opening, like there was other people, like somebody from North Carolina actually came through for the opening and um, immediately saw like um, one of my illustrations of a Confederate flag burning and was like oh I know what that's about like I fuck with that you know and it's just like but you don't fuck with it like I fuck with it you know because <laughs> <laughs> like um because like yeah I mean it's like we all have our different experiences within the south and like me seeing that flag is like completely different from um a white female seeing that flag which I was in conversation with and um and just like knowing that truth, but also just accepting, like, yeah, like fuck that flag, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so multiple conclusions, but yeah.
1: Okay. Um. Are Lauren? Are there any questions in the chat? I had it up earlier. Are you? Are you? Um. Down to take questions, Chris.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Lauren, are you there? I'll see if I. Yes, I- I'm here. Um, do you see any questions in the chat? I had the chat pulled up, but then it started playing back at me. And that's why I had to like switch out last time. But I could log in too. Yeah. Yeah. Let me check it out. Cool. Asha should, should probably warn them ahead of time. Like, oh, hey guys, I'm about to say questions. Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just drop it <laughs> on I'm like, right here now. Better already be in there. <laughs> in the
2: I'm
3: not seeing any right now, but I'd love to hear um, any um, new stuff from you. I'm definitely loving the cast so far. Great information.
1: Cool. Um, let's see yeah I definitely should give people warning, hey, we're about to do a q and a. How are you? <laughs> people put your questions in if you have any questions So what's next do you you have um you continue with this art show. Do you guys work on that monthly?
2: um so the art show actually closes um on the twenty seventh of this month. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's by appointment base, but um yeah it's um, it's also like a, a larger narrative of uh, a film that I'll be dropping as well like uh, one of the banners of the mermaid piece is um, featured in uh, a small short film um, with the homies at Flipbird Films um, directed by my partner uh, Suzette Lee and um, yeah it just um, it just talks about or it doesn't talk about but it implies um the systematic racism within uh, the tattooing community and uh specifically within this style of American traditional and it being related to of course like the African diaspora and that constant tension and clash of like these like perhaps like walls or these waves that are constantly being like thrown at us and um, a lot of the imagery is inspired from, like, journaling throughout, like, uh, 2020 and, like, that therapeutic process and certain different sketches here and there. But, um, but, yeah, I'll be dropping that on my Instagram page, like, later on this month. Oh,
1: uh, I can't wait to see that. That sounds incredible.
3: You guys, I yeah. did have a cool question that just came in. Oh, um cool. For Chris, do you have a particular vision and what kind of perspective you want to portray with your ne- unique fusion of traditional tattoo style? Mm.
2: Do uh do I have a particular vision? Is that the first part yep.
3: of it? You have a particular envision you want to portray with your unique fusion of traditional tattoo style.
2: Yeah, um, with uh, with creating my imagery is. Um, like I'll usually go through like different references of like different books that I have like this is this is my large collection back here if you can (laughs) you can see it's like bowing the wood a little bit but um I typically dive into just like different books and um I'll find like references that I enjoy and then um Typically, if it's like maybe a a snake or something, I'll like substitute it with like a rope just because it already naturally has that flow and um, movement. And um, like always trying to give it representation for black people. Um, Where I see it going in the future, I see it, um, I don't know if that was like a a part of the question, but, but like for future, I guess, pieces that I'm working on, I wanna dive a little bit more within the imagery of um, mental health and um, bringing to life the images that can't be seen that perhaps uh, black and brown people deal with and um, the backlash or like the things that we um, naturally sit with once the violence has ended because we have like this the situations that happen but we very often don't Um, dive too far into the healing process that happens after that you know um it could just be like just such a small encounter of somebody saying the wrong thing to the wrong person and essentially being like um having your white shoes scuffed it's just like it's it's like you can try to get it out but it's like naturally just going to be there for a while and um that healing process and um but then also going like a little bit further into perhaps like um, my experience at A&T and um, highlighting other like very like amazing like black accomplishments within like an HBCU environment as well. So um, those are like a couple of areas that, uh, that I'm trying to like tap into in the future, but ultimately still giving it that black experience. It's
1: incredible.
3: I do have a question for you too. I'm curious, um, just kind of looking over your portfolio, I saw that you had possibly done a project with Vans. I'm curious about that.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, currently with Vans right now and uh, I've been collaborating with them on uh, a few different projects here and there. Um, One of the most recent or past recent one was with their Black History Month campaign it was their first ever um, time uh, making um, a shoe for Black History Month and collaborating with all Black artists for that month in particular. So to have that, it was like very amazing and felt like such an honor to just be able to um, give representation to my style and then also like give it to like such a awesome platform, you know? and um, yeah, and like yeah, the validation that they give me and the validation that I give them in return, and um, trying my best to to use these platforms and these collaborations as a way to further this narrative and this dialogue. And yeah, so like the the shoe design I did was, right. um, was a swallow. Oh,
1: is that on uh, your Instagram? I have your Instagram pulled up right now.
2: Uh, I found it it's, in uh, his tag. Oh, it's on my um my personal account of um, uh, Crispy Martin. Oh yeah. It should be in here too. I found
3: it with the uh, picture of himself that was up a bit, um, kind of like a portrait more towards the top of the tag. That was pretty neat, right there. I just saw the post that it was oh. pretty neat. It's a...
2: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. Ah, cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's real.
2: Yeah, that was a fun design and um, just ultimately trying to, since it's the first Black History Month shoe that um, they're dropping and we just wanted to create something that kind of like spoke true to my artwork and style and just, um, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do a little swallow and I'm gonna throw a little cotton plant in its mouth and hopefully call it a day after that.
1: (laughs) Are those still available for people?
2: uh no nah, it was uh exclusive to to the last month mm-hmm. yeah cool
1: um all right are there any more questions it's uh, about time to close out but if there are any i'm happy to take or we're happy to take them
3: uh not right now but I, i'm sure that people are in their heads have have a lot to wrap their mind around and would love to hear from you guys again
1: absolutely Okay. Um, You can follow Chris on Instagram at tattoos, and you can follow the show at Live in the Castro Tattoo, and you can follow me at Haley Adams Tattoos. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Thanks for coming in and uh, sharing with us.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate this.
1: Cool. I'll talk to you later.
2: Sounds great. Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone.
2: Bye.